Amen. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a great day in the Lord. I believe that. This Thursday, we're going to be joining for our midweek Bible study, and we invite you to be with us. Get all the information in your bulletin, or if you need information, see any one of our ushers or greeters, and they will gladly share with you any, any answers to your questions that you may have. It's so good to be back home worshiping, amen, with you all, and God is going to do something mighty. So in my return, I pray that God would just outpour like never before, amen, and keep your pastor in prayer. Take a moment to, to keep him and his family in prayer. I turn your attention to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 16, and I know you have been standing, and I am mindful of that. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 11. And I'm thankful for my family, my wife. My wife is a soul winner. We left with two kids and we came back with three. And uh, so I give her honor and she's a great woman, amen, we love her. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 11, and it says, And Samuel said unto Jesse, are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. The prophet was going to anoint the future king. Verse 12 says, And he sent and brought him in, and now he was ruddy. Not ruddy, he was ruddy. And with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look unto. Everyone say, He was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. And Samuel, said unto, and Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. You see, there's something great about receiving the spirit of the Lord. Acts 1 and verse 8 says, But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. There is something great when you get the Spirit of the Lord. In the same chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 18, it says that Saul was disheartened and he was brokenhearted and he needed someone to cheer him up. And one of the young men answered in verse 18 and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, a Bethlehemite, who's skillful in playing and a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech and a man of good presence, and the Lord is with him. You see, even before he had done all these things, he was already known as a man of valor and a man of war. And there was a future for David from that day forward. Would you pray with me? Put your Bibles out and pray that God would anoint this time. Anoint my mouth to speak and your ears to hear. Because God wants to do something mighty today. Lord Jesus, we come before you thanking you for what you have brought us to this point, Jesus. Lord, and I ask that you would anoint this time as we break and open up your word. God, that you would anoint my lips to speak and you would anoint, Lord, your people to hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So that was the verse that I spoke to you in chapter 16. But if you flip over to chapter 17, 1 Samuel chapter 17, there's some problems going on in the land. And it says in verse 1, Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle, and were gathered together at Shokok, which belongeth to Judah, and pitched between Shokok and Azekiah and Ephesdemamim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And I take my title from this text right here, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 3. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on one side. And Israel, the people of God, stood on a mountain on the other side. And there was a valley in between them. With the help of God today, I'm going to speak to you a message that I would entitle, It All Happens on the Battlefield. It All Happens on the Battlefield. 
You see, words can only go so far, but wars are not won with words. I mean, it's easy to talk smack when you've got your friends backing you up, but until you step into the ring, you haven't begun to fight in the war. And you realize that we just celebrated our nation's Independence Day. And it didn't just happen just with words alone and just simply the formation of a document that we would call the Declaration of Independence. For more than a decade before the outbreak of the American Revolution in 1775, tensions had been building between the colonists and the British authorities. Attempts by the British government to raise revenue by taxing the colonists met with heated protests among them. And they resented their lack of representation in parliament. They were upset of all the taxes that were, they were getting. And that was in 1770 where the violence had erupted. And there was a Boston massacre that took place in that time where British soldiers had opened fire upon some colonists. Which would start the beginning of the Revolutionary War. And in response, a group of colonial delegates, including George Washington of Virginia, John and Samuel Adams of Massachusetts, Patrick Henry of Virginia, and John Jay of New York, they met together in Philadelphia in 1774, and they formed the very first Continental Congress. Now, wait a minute, I'm not just going to give you a history lesson, but I'm going to share with you how they got to the place where their words became action. And so they joined together, and by 1775, they had considered that they needed to advance in their war with the British people. And so came come along 1775 and 1776, the Second Continental Congress convened, and the delegates included new people such as Benjamin Franklin and Thomas Jefferson, and they were voted to form and put together an army that would once and for all defeat the British government. And so they engaged in battle, and they fought between one another. And there were battles won by the British And battles won by the colonists. But at the end of the day, at the end of the war, the colonists had been been and become victorious. You see, they realized there was going to be a few bumps and bruises that they would have to take. That they would have to endure. That they would have to be a part of if they wanted to see their dream become reality. You see, a dream that God gives you is free. It doesn't take effort to take and have that dream. But it takes effort to take a journey to accomplishing that dream and promise that God has put on your life. When David was anointed to be king, he didn't just get escorted right to the palace, but he had to go through some tests. He had to go through some trials, and he had to go through some things because although he was promised and anointed to be king, he had to endure the journey that came along with it. And the Bible says that when he came upon the Philistine army, that they were on the other side of the mountain and that they were set in the other side of the place. But the battle that was fought was fought in the valley. I'm telling you, if you feel that you are in the valley, that is the right place for God to show up and to show himself strong. When you are weak, that is when he becomes strong. It's because We trust them on the high places, and we trust them in the low places. And it's time for us to realize that wherever God leads us, wherever steps we take, we have got to engage in the battle. It's not enough just to say it with our words, but we got to do it with our actions. God, I believe you. Yes, I trust you. That means that on Tuesday, I'm going to pray. On Wednesday, I'm going to fast. On Thursday, I'm going to get in the word. I'm not just going to talk the talk, but I'm going to walk the walk. And God is looking for a people that is ready to realize that it all happens in the battlefield. It doesn't
doesn't happen on the sidelines. It doesn't happen in the closet. It doesn't happen in the comfort of your living room. But it happens when we're engaged in spiritual warfare. And I'm telling you, God is not going to set you up for failure. Because what the devil thought for evil, the Lord is going to do for good. Hallelujah. The devil's setbacks are God's setups for you to see his victory accomplished and promise fulfilled in your life. Hallelujah. 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 The people of God have always been victorious. The people of God have never been forsaken, but they have doubted. They have left God, but God has never left them. And it's time for you to realize that God is closer to me than I realize. Hallelujah. You forget how good you had it. You forget how good God has been. It took a while for me to remember how it used to be when I dated my wife. I had forgotten all those moments in the butterflies. But I had to remember and recall those times. And when you are stuck in your rut and you are in the problems that you are in and you are shadow boxing, so to speak, and trying to gain ground when it feels that you are on a spiritual treadmill, not going anywhere, just revving up the engine on neutral. God wants you to realize that his people, God wants you to realize that his people, that his people that bear his name have always been victorious. But we get so caught up in the here and now that we fail to forget that God, hallelujah, was good back then. He's good now, and he's going to be good in my future. And it's time to realize that he doesn't change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he promised you something way back when, you better believe that it's going to happen. You better believe that there is nothing, 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 not a sin, not a devil in hell can stop what God wants to do in your life. Hallelujah. I've got to believe it. And I've got to receive it. And I've got to claim it. That if God anointed me to do this, uh, hallelujah, I know that I serve a God that allows me to move forward. In a time like this, I serve a God like that. Hallelujah. In a time of turmoil, in a time of it feels that I'm chained up and caught up, I know that I serve a God that has called me for such a time as this. He could have called you to a different decade. He could have called you to a different country. But he called you for this hour. And he called you for this land. And God has given you this land. And we must say, if God has given it to me, I hold on to the claim. And I hold on to the promise that God is going to advance. Amen. And he's going to fulfill his word. Moses led the people through the great exodus as they took a step of faith in a red sea. And as soon as he stepped over from the plain of the sand to the sea, the Bible says his foot didn't even get mud on it. The Bible says that the path was cleared and the ground was dry. As soon as they decided and as soon as they knew if God was going to set them free, there wasn't going to be a sea or there wasn't going to be an enemy that was going to stop them. Joshua marched around and led the people around Jericho. Gideon, a mighty man of valor, had no confidence in himself, but God saw something in him that he couldn't see himself. God saw a mighty man of valor, and he tested God, and he doubted God, and he questioned God. But God said, all right, do that thing. I'll still show you that I can fulfill the promise that I've laid on your life because you are a mighty man of valor and 
Gideon did not get his confidence until he stepped on to the battlefield. If you're racing against time, if you feel that you're being bombarded, if you feel that you're in the battle, and I can't handle it anymore, ain't nobody got time for that. It hurts to be in the battle. It costs to be in the battle. I may be walking and I might have a limp to my walk because I'm in the battle. It may cost me a few nights sleep. But the enemy will not attack an opponent unless he knows that there's something great in that opponent. And you can look at yourself and we can look at one another and write each other off as someone who could have been who should have been, or who would have been. And we write each other off and we judge each other on just the exterior things and the things we see with our natural eye. But God looks beyond that. And he says in that person's future is a miracle that they are not even aware of. But they must believe. They must know. And they must settle it in their heart that it's all going to happen in the battlefield. It would have been nice to become a free and sovereign nation without having to go into war. It would have been nice to have drafted the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence without having to go to war. And as much as we celebrate the independence of our nation, we realize that some gave their life. And there were some casualties in the battlefield. There were some that lost. And there were some that gained. But they were all towards the same mission. To see themselves free from the bondage of a country that was putting taxes and regulations on them that they could no longer endure. And we must get a fight within ourselves. We must get a fight within our spirit that says, devil, you can't have my marriage. Devil, you can't have my kids. Devil, you can't have my calling. Devil, you can't have my house. If something, amen, is worth fighting for, it's your soul. It's time for us to rise and say, I'm going to fight for what God has promised me, for what God has given me, and I'm not going to allow the enemy, I'm not going to allow the world try to suffocate me or keep me from the promises that God has put in my life. The three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were told that they had a bow before a God, an idol, and they said it ain't going to happen. When everyone else was doing it, there were three that said, uh-uh, it's not going to happen here. When all the standards have been broken, as recent as last week, as recent as Thursday, where the state of California just passed legislation to allow kids to choose what gender they are and what restrooms they use. That's the type of society that we live in today. But we, you, I, must stand in the gap. We must stand when no one else is standing. And when there's nothing else to do, we must just stand and say, I'm going to stand for truth. And I'm going to stand for righteousness. Because God didn't call me to this church to just be part of a social group. But he called me to be part of this church. To be a flaming evangel of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And to show forth the praises of our God. And to be a city upon a hill. To be a light in the midst of darkness. To be a hope to the hopeless. To be a salvation station for those that need to know who Jesus is. He's the rock of all ages. He's the God, hallelujah, that was and is and is coming. He's the king of kings, Jehovah Jireh, prince of peace, El Shaddai, the bright and morning star. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is a man, hallelujah, our king.
kinsman redeemer. He is, hallelujah, our healer, our savior, our provider, and our Lord and our God, and his name is Jesus. Hallelujah. You're going to get attacked. Just face the music. You're going to face some opposition. Just settle it in your mind. And guess what? It's not going to get any easier. It's going to get lonely. I'm just being real here. It's going to get real when there's no one else in your home that wants to pray. When no one else in your workplace that wants to hear the word of God. It's going to become difficult. But I am pleased to know that God called me for this hour. And he has trusted you and I to be his people, to be his children in this city, and to claim what God has promised us in our lives. We are, hallelujah, the lighthouse. We are the place, hallelujah, that can be an instrument for God to use and flow through, hallelujah. You see, David didn't get scared fighting in the valley and fighting a Philistine because he realized God had promised him to be king. If God said he was going to be king, then there wasn't going to be a giant. There wasn't going to be an army. And there wasn't going to be anything that was going to stop the call and the promise of God in his life. And so the Bible says Goliath, the Philistine, began to defy the Lord. He began to defy, amen, the people of God. And even Saul, the current king at that time, was scared. He doubted. And the people doubted. But there was one that said, I'm not going to believe what's coming out and the filth that's coming out of that giant's mouth. I'm not going to believe what's going on in that camp. You want to fight in the valley? Let's bring it on. Hallelujah. Because yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. It says that he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You think you've got something big and strong going on? Well, I've got a God that can overcome any sin and situation and thing. Bring it on. Bring it on, enemy. Bring it on. Because the battle, hallelujah, it all happens. It all happens in the battlefield. It doesn't happen in the comfort. It doesn't happen in, the, in just the peace and calmness at times. It happens in the battlefield. He knew this was necessary in the growth of him. He knew this was necessary in developing him. He knew that he realized that God's word is ultimately the last word. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 8 and verse 4, where the word of a king is, there is power. And if God, hallelujah, who is the king of kings, when he gives a word to you, there is power behind that word because God alone is rightfully sovereign without limit. He is the king in the most absolute sense and so it should be for he is supremely God, supremely good, supremely wise, just, holy. He is the maker of all, dominion over his creatures in all matter and natural light. He has infinite power to carry out his all royal will. He is omnipotent. He is omnipresent. He knows it all. Hallelujah. He is present everywhere. The Bible says if I make my bed in hell, the Lord is there. But if I go in the mountaintop, he is there. There is not a place, amen, of solitude or darkness too far away for God to be right next to you. God's never given me a promise. Yeah. Flip over to the book of Acts. 
he gives us a promise. He said, I'm going to send the comforter unto you. And that's why when we go through times of hardship and loss and, and setbacks, we call the Holy Ghost the comforter. Because it comforts us when nothing else can. A cup of coffee cannot do it. A good book cannot do it. A nice date at the Grove, as I have planned tonight, cannot do it. But the Holy Ghost is a great comforter. And when it fills you, it allows you to feel the fire of the Lord. And it's like the prophet that said, it's like fire shut up in my bones. Hallelujah. I know I'm going through calamity and I'm going, going through setbacks. But God is going to make me progress in my promise. And God has that for you today. The promise is yours to receive the Holy Ghost. The promise is yours to keep praying in the Holy Ghost. It's not just a one-stop shop where you get it once and then just hope and use it when you need it. But the Bible says we must have the Holy Ghost in us at all times and filling us until it runneth over. Hallelujah. You see, you try to fight spiritual problems with fleshly and carnal ways, it's not going to work like that. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We used to sing a song when I was a kid. We probably still sing it sometimes here. It talks about weapons and guns and bombs. And, but those are not the things we use. We use the Holy Ghost. We use the Word of God. We use our praying and ceasing and fasting. The Bible says it's not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringeth into captivity, captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You think your thoughts have power over you. You think your doubt has power over you. It has no power over you. Because when you allow God to be God in your life, the Bible says that he was crucified in Golgotha. And the Bible interprets that, the place of the skull. And he was crucified at the place of the skull. And what that lets me know is that when God enters into my life, every thought of doubt and every thought of fear and every thought of a promise that is wasted away has been crucified by the surety that God lived and died and rose again to give me life and that more abundantly. And it's time to, for you to make up your mind to crucify the thoughts that are holding you back from the promise that God has placed in your life. I don't know what place you're in or what path you're on, but I do know that together we must be moving forward towards him we must trust the Lord we must be a people of prayer we must trust him in the good and in the bad in the high, in the low in the plenty and the not plenty and be people of prayer you see prayer is a shield to the soul, a sacrifice to God and a scourge to Satan prayer is the expression of the human heart in conversation with God, prayer is the link between finite man and the infinite purposes of God. Prayer is the sweet incense rising from a broken heart. Prayer is practicing the presence of Jesus. Prayer is recognizing the Lord is seated or standing right beside us all at all times and having continual fellowship with him at all hours. Prayer, prayer, you've been lagging, you've been filling down. How's your prayer life? We sing your presence is heaven to me. This, this morning we sing a song about the presence of God. 
what does it feel like? Do I get a goosebump? Do I sing a little bit better? Do you know the presence of God? Has it been a long time since you realized the presence of God? Then it's time for us to get back to the place where we know his presence. But you won't feel him when you don't ask for him and need him. Some only come to God when they need something. He is their sugar daddy. He's just someone when they need a hookup. But when it's all going good, are you still praising God? When you've got the victory for the season that you're in, are you still trusting in him? Or are you going to say, I might lose a few. And I might gain a few. But I know on that day, when that old trumpet sounds, and when he comes for his church... In a twinkling of an eye, there is no question in my life that he's coming for me. He's coming for my family, and he's coming for my church. Because I've stood the test of time, and I have fought the good fight of faith. I may have a few bruises and a few battle scars, but guess what, devil? I'm dancing on the streets of gold, and I have got my prize. And the Lord has said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter now into the joy of the Lord. And when I cross from from this place to the heavenly, I'm going to say I was just a pilgrim. I was just a passing through. This home is not mine, hallelujah, but I'm looking on beyond that, and I want to serve my Lord, hallelujah, in eternity. God is wanting us to realize that his people have been forever victorious. They have conquered and they have overcome. I'm trying to wrap this up for you. They've seen miracle after miracle. Not just in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament. And not just in the 1800s, but in the 1900s. Not just in the 70s and 80s and the 90s and the early 2000s. But he has done it as recent as last week. As recent as five minutes ago. And we often think that the miracles we hear of are just fables of what could have been in our life. But the Bible says that signs follow them that believe. And if God has given me a promise, and he's given you a promise, I can step into the valley where the battle is fought and say, God, you are my leader, and you are my shield, you are my buckler, you are my sword, you are my protection, and God, I may come against some things, and when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord shall raise up a standard against it. And when you feel that you're getting overwhelmed by the cares of this world, you can look up to the heavens where cometh my help. And his name is Jesus. Today, he's wanting us to realize that just because we have been slaves to sin and to this world, and maybe this message is just new to you if you've heard it or are hearing it for the first time. But it's not by accident whether you are first time friend and guest with us or whether or not this is your hundredth time being with us. In all walks of life and in every path that is taken and represented by the lives in this room under the sound of my voice, we have got to realize, hallelujah, that the speed on our journey is not as important as the direction that it's headed.
And we must align ourselves to the direction of the Lord. And if the, the ways of this world and the sins of this world has disaligned our lives, we must get a spiritual adjustment and allow us to see what God wants to do in our lives. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. He wants to save you, deliver you, and you better believe that saving your soul. It wasn't just a temporary thing to live in your life, but it was a commitment that he made to you for a lifetime in eternity with him because the victory, hallelujah, that I am looking for is not just for a great career. It's not just for a house to call my own. It's not just for a nice, healthy bank account, but the victory that I am looking forward is to have my soul saved from the snares of this world and to be delivered by God and for me for me to be labeled a miracle there's a miracle there's a miracle there's a miracle they were set off no one believed in them but there's a miracle they were left out in the cold but there's a miracle you ought to realize that in your life and within you there is a miracle that God wants to fulfill in your life. Hallelujah. We must put on the whole armor of God. We must say, I'm going to wear it. I'm going to hold it. And I'm going to abide by it. And you may be like the woman at the well on that noonday. This woman had a lot of bad baggage in her life. She was someone who was troubled by sin. And perhaps it may have been self-inflicted. But that did not negate the fact that Jesus came to that well place for her. He met her in the noonday where there were no shadows on her future or her past. And he comes in in the present time of need. And the Bible says that she lifted him up and began to share what God had done. Some scholars believe that she would testify and give God praise for what he had done and she realized one thing that her worship to her God was connected to her salvation and if you're looking for God to do something in your life quit waiting on the bench quit waiting for someone else to do it for you quit waiting for your favorite song quit waiting for your favorite preacher quit waiting for the right season it's time to lift him up now for today Today is the day of salvation. I'm not waiting for the perfect moment. I'm not waiting for the perfect time. But today, Lord, I'm going to give you my heart. I'm going to give you my life because I realize one thing. It all happens in the battlefield. It all happens in the battlefield. Joshua told the people to shout, for the Lord have given you the city. Note that they didn't have the city already, but he said the Lord has already given giving it to you, but I want you to believe right now and shout right now as though it's already yours, and I'm looking at a bunch of people that may have a promise that's been dead for a while. You may probably have a promise that's been put away and locked away, but it's time to look at that promise and say, Lord, I'm going to praise you for that promise right now. Right now, right now, right now, right now, shout for the Lord has given you this city. Shout for the Lord has given you this promise. Shout for the Lord for has given you your family. Shout for the Lord has given you your healing. Shout for the Lord has given you deliverance. Shout for the Lord has given you salvation. Someone needs a shout now because you are just one shout and praise away from seeing God manifested in your life. Hallelujah. Oh, rise up within me, Life Church. Come on. There's some things. Come on, let's rise together. There's some things that we're going to come against. There's some things they're going to try to attack 
There's some things that are going to get overwhelming, but God is calling this church and calling this people, hallelujah, to rise and say, God, you've given us this city. Don't stop. Don't stop. We need to continue in the race of living for God. Don't quit. The battle's tough. I know. But go out and fight anyway. For the Lord will not leave you nor forsake you. Hallelujah. Though you may walk in the furnace, you're going to come out not even smelling like fire. And the kings and the people of this world are going to be in awe. And they're going to say what's different about you. You're going to tell them, I serve a great God who has opened up the path, hallelujah, for me to experience my promise. God will not let you faint. God will not let you go down. He will not drop you and not pick you back up. But he will be there every step of the way. Every waking moment of the way. Every shout of the way. He is with you. He is with you. He is with you. Hallelujah. By the power that's in the name of Jesus and the authority that's in your word, we loose liberty. And I pray for faith to be loose right now. I pray for faith right now. Hallelujah. To just erupt in this place. Your faith, your faith is only it's, it's connected to what you see. But that's not what God wants us to do. Our faith should be connected to the promise that God has put in our lives. I'm going to share with you a family secret. Life Church is going to go through some battles. Am I right? And we're not just going to send pastor. There you go. We got you, pastor. But when Moses led the people through the Red Sea, and when Joshua led the people to march around the walls, they marched and walked together. Now you've got to make up your mind today. Am I going to walk together or am I just going to be a spectator and just see what happens? But God is wanting us together to strengthen one another and to say whatever comes and whatever may happen, God, you didn't call us here by accident, but you called us on a divine purpose and assignment. And I am part of the army of the Lord. Hallelujah. And I'm not going to war. Hallelujah. In the things of the flesh, but I'm going to war in things of the spirit. And God is going to call some prayer warriors, some Bible believers, and those that know it. He's going to call people to fast for times that they've never fasted before. But one thing is for sure, that God promised this church for revival. And guess what? It ain't over yet. God still has a plan, and he still has a purpose, but he's wanting all of us to come together. Hallelujah. Now, I'm going to ask us again, would you please stand with me? Can I keep it real? We just have just one shot today for God to move in this life, this place. And I'm sorry, but I'm not going to allow your apathy or lack of faith stop what God wants to do. In my life. Because there are people here that have come here with a mind made up that said, I have come to this church with the last straw. I have come to this church with the last ounce of hope. And I pray that God would move in my life. And I'm calling for those, amen, that know how to pray. Hallelujah. That know how to believe. That know what it's like to experience a miracle. To stand in the gap in faith for what God is going to do. 
for all of us in our lives. I wonder who's going to be the first one to come forward right now and say, I'm with you. The battle, hallelujah, is fought in the valley. It all happens in the, in the battlefield. It all happens in the war. It all happens on the battlefield. I may get a bruise. I may get wounded. Hallelujah. I may get a setback, but that doesn't stop what God wants to do in my life. Hallelujah. 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 So that we're in the same playing field, myself included, we're in the same, we need to be on the same playing field. The Bible says in the Old Testament that the spirit of the Lord fell upon them that were together. I had just ran through that passage, not tr- not even focused on trying to find that, but the Lord revealed it to me. And then I recall in the book of Acts where it says, you shall receive power after that. The Holy Ghost shall come upon you. What that power does is that it activates. You know what that is? It's like a light switch. It's like the lighter to your candle. It's, it's the thing, it's the ignition to your car. A Ferrari and a Mustang, love Mustangs, doesn't sound nice when it's not turned on. But you must put the key in the ignition and start that engine. And God has provided you a place right here. But you must allow the Holy Ghost to activate something in your life. And I'm going to stand, all of us together, myself included, I want us to pray this prayer together because there's someone that needs a miracle and they're not going to walk out without God giving them the confirmation. I want us to pray right now for God to clear and to clean and cleanse and purify our minds and our hearts because there's not a thing more as an opposite to God as doubt in your life. And it's time to get the eraser and erase the doubt. And it's time to get that shovel and shovel out the doubt away. And say, God, I have come here for a purpose. For you to be magnified and for my promise to be fulfilled. So right now, under the sound of my voice, would you lift up your hands in your voice. And if you want someone to pray with you, that's all right. Someone will pray with you. Just lift up your voice right now. And we're going to pray this prayer together. And we're going to ask God to do a work. Jesus, pray this prayer with me. Jesus, purify my mind, purify my heart, and rid me of the doubt that has been kept keeping me jailed and imprisoned and chained for far too long. And it's time to unlock the key of that doubt for it to be released and for your angels to be dispatched and for my faith to go to a place that it's never been before. In the name of Jesus, rid me of every sin. Come on, you got to tell God, rid me of every sin. God, I don't want any sin in my life. God, I don't want nothing to stop what you want to do right now. And if there's one thing that wants to stop what's what you're doing, it's sin and doubt. But in the name of Jesus, I rebuke that doubt. I rebuke that sin. And the enemy must flee. And God, you're going to show yourself mighty on my behalf. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Now lift up your voice right now. And someone right now is going to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Someone is going to receive their miracle. Someone is going to give their life to God. As they lead us in song and in praise and in worship. I pray that you would say, God, it all happens on the battlefield. In the name of Jesus. Jesus.